what are you doing, Doc? I need fuel. <laughs> Give me fuel, take a fly, sit me tracing out of sight. Welcome to Fantasy Fuel, our third episode, and they always say third time's a charm. And if we're charming to anybody out there, hey, how you doing? Oh, wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> third time to charm. How about more like uh, three strikes are out? That was terrible. Well, thank you for the support, Tom. I appreciate that. <laughs> On to fantasy football. We've got a little bit of breaking news the last couple of days, uh, and it's all coming from the NFC South. So we're going to talk about the NFC South today, and we're leading off with the news of C.J. Anderson signing with the Carolina Panthers. And along with that, the news of uh, who Tom jinxed last week by talking about <laughs> Fozzie Whitaker going down season-ending injury. Yeah, that's unfortunate that it seems like anytime I talk about somebody with you, even if it's a casual, that guy ends up making the news somehow, and it's not always a good way. And for Fozzie Whitaker, I'm not sure how much that affects them anyway, but yeah, it's kind of funny. No, it probably won't affect them hugely, especially after the C.J. Anderson sign, but I do think you owe him an apology. <laughs> I'm sorry, Fozzie. All right, all right. Uh so also last week you uh had Christian McCaffrey as one of your ESP top fives. Explain now how CJ Anderson is going to affect this. Well, it does look like a little dent went into my Christian McCaffrey ESP, but I mean that's the beauty of ESP. It doesn't have to be logical. You don't have to have stats to back it up, although that's nice. It can just be a feeling. It can just be I got this sense. And, I mean, we're going to have to find out, but I think C.J. Anderson is pretty decent still. I mean, I, I don't like him that much, but I looked up his numbers from last year, and he had uh, 245 carries. He was over 1,000 yards, which surprised me. I actually didn't think he did. And he only had three touchdowns. That is a problem, and 28 receptions, which isn't going to increase. I wouldn't imagine with Christian McCaffrey being the guy that takes most of that. But... I mean, that was, I mean, the 1,000 yards is encouraging. I think something has to improve as far as either receptions or touchdowns. It's going to have to be touchdowns because, I, like I said, I think he's not going to get that many more receptions. But what worries me is as far as fantasy goes, and it could be different now that he's on the Panthers, but he had seven weeks last year where he was under 10 points, and that can be a real problem, especially if you're trying to get production out of him and win each week. And in 2016, before he was on IR, he had 110 attempts, 437 yards, and four touchdowns. So there's obviously he can have more touchdowns because them four touchdowns came within a smaller window that he got the three last year. I don't know if they didn't use them the same way that they did last year or not, but obviously the four touchdowns is what where he needs to go with the Panthers if you want to justify having him on your team without just counting on the yardage. Oh, I, I totally agree. I do believe that this year his touchdown total will for sure increase. Uh, I mean, the Panthers are deadly at the goal line with Cam Newton, and whoever their lead 
banging back is, and it's going to have to be C.J. Anderson this year. So consistency-wise, he may not be getting a 1,000 yards this year, but if you're playing in a standard league, he may get you, you know, eight to ten touchdowns. I could realistically see that in their offense. I could see it too, and I don't know how much that's going to affect Christian McCaffrey's touchdowns, but we're going to have to find about that too because I think that he is a good standard league guy, or Anderson. I think they're both good standard league guys, to be honest, but I think that Anderson is going to have some decent stance. If you're in a standard league, which if you like it, you do. If you don't, you don't. I don't like standard leagues all that much. I prefer to do PPR or half PPR, but... Yeah, he should be good in standard leagues. We're going to find out. I'm really still not all that high on C.J. Anderson, but he could surprise us. Uh, Yeah, he could also surprise you by taking a few catches away from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Jonathan Stewart only had, I believe, 14 targets total last year. And C.J. Anderson is a much better receiving back than Jonathan Stewart. So, I mean, you know, you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to be out on the field every third down. No doubt about that. But there might be a few plays out there where they just leave C.J. Anderson on the field, even in a you know second and long situation where they plan on doing a pass play because he is capable. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's much better than Jonathan Stewart, like you said. All right. Uh, the other news that we just heard is Mark Ingram suspended for the first four games the 2018 season so you know his ADP is going to drop I don't know how much Kamara's can go up but it's all the hype right now and you hyped up Kamara last night uh, last episode so I'll let you field this one yeah like I said it seems like every time we talk about somebody something happens to either increase them or decrease their value and I don't know how much it increases his value, but I'm going to give you a little something I, I looked up before the show. And Ingram had 569 snaps last year, and Kamara had 466. So Ingram's it calculates out to 55% of the snaps, and Kamara was 45% of the snaps. So Kamara did all that, had all that production without being on the field as much as Ingram. Will Kamara have a ton of snaps in the first four weeks? I do expect that he does. I ex- I expected his snaps to go up this year, but I did kind of not expect it to go up as much as it probably will in these first four weeks. I expected a flip. I expected Kamara's snaps to be about 55% and Ingram's to be about 45 this year. I didn't expect this to happen with the suspension of Mark Ingram. But, I mean, now is, is it a good thing? I do think it's a good thing for Kamara because he will probably get a ton more snaps. Um but I think the key is is how the Saints use Kamara. How do they keep his legs fresh? Because he, he's young, but he's going to get tired because it, when you're playing football and every single down you're out there, it's, it's, it wears on you. I mean, they have to find somebody else to take snaps in that backfield. I think Kamara's snaps will increase a lot, but I think that means he's going to get more opportunity, which usually gives you more fantasy points. However, be aware that he may not look as electric as he did last year, at least in the first four games. We'll, we'll find out after after the first four. And his average yards per carry could go down because he might not be as fresh. Now, in, in the first four weeks, I got a little question because I'm not 100% sure on this one. This is a hard one for me. If you're in a deeper league, how much can you trust one of their running backs of the Saints that's not named Kamara? 
And do you take a flyer on them? I I have a, an answer for you on that one because okay. there are a couple of guys on this team. I know one guy they've trusted but didn't give a whole lot of work to is uh, Daniel Lasco. I don't believe he'll be much of an impact. Yeah, uh, They drafted a guy named Boston Scott. I don't know a lot about him. I'm guessing not much of an impact. They also mm-hmm. have Trey Edmonds who did get a little bit of work and showed a little bit of flash. But the guy I have my eye on is somebody who got almost no use last year, but the year before was LaShawn McCoy's backup, Jonathan uh-huh. Williams. And when that guy was on the field, he looked as much of a fantasy-relevant running back as anybody. And then he got into a little bit of trouble, and we didn't see him. If he's not in trouble, I think he might be the Mark Ingram of the first four games of the year, and he'll get to prove what he's got left in his tank. So That's a good point. I, I Yeah, that's a good point. I think he might. He might hack that that. Out of all the guys you you said, I mean, maybe they look towards the rookie running back that they got, but he might be the one guy that they look to. Yep, I, I really believe, and I will probably take a flyer on Jonathan Williams way, of course, in the last rounds of some drafts this year, just because I, I really think they want to stick with that two-headed running back approach because Kamara is so much better when he doesn't have to be the workhorse. Not saying he can't be, but I think the Saints would be better off if he didn't have to be the workhorse. Yeah, um, uh, the Mark Ingram, Ingram suspension, do you think it has any effect on the receiving core with, like Michael Thomas? You know, it might. Uh, if Jonathan Williams or Trey Edmonds or Daniel Lasco, any of those guys, if they can't produce, I think we're going to see the Saints of old and Drew Brees is going to be a very fantasy relevant quarterback the first few weeks of the season. And maybe if Mark Ingram comes back, that goes back to where they were last year. But man, those first four weeks, if you have any of these guys that I'm about to mention and they are tearing it up, they're going to be prime trade candidates. And I agree with you on that one. The, the obvious uh, other person across from Michael Thomas was Ted Ginn last year and of course he is a boomer bust we saw it his entire career it's a long catch and maybe a touchdown if you're lucky I don't think he is going to benefit Uh, they drafted Traquan Smith who who knows a rookie in the first few games is always a question mark maybe if he develops a rapport with Drew Brees in preseason and offseason workouts uh, maybe he trusts him Brandon Coleman is still there, but he's never really taken that next step. Um, The guy I'm talking about right now that I already had on my fantasy radar before the Mark Ingram suspension and all of this is Cameron Meredith. Oh, man, I agree with you. I looked it up, too. I I really like Cameron Meredith coming out of this for the first four weeks. I mean, I know why they signed him to an offer sheet to try and poach him from the Bears, and I was a little stunned that the Bears did not want to keep him. Although, you know, new regime, new everything for Chicago, I suppose they just want to go with their guys. But Cameron Meredith, he really impressed me, you know, up until he got hurt. And Drew Brees is going to make this guy a star. 
And yeah, the first so many weeks of 2016, obviously he didn't play at all last year with the torn ACL, but the first so many weeks weren't the greatest, but them last four weeks in 2016 were actually pretty good. He had 28 catches, 371 yards, and he had two touchdowns, which for them four weeks, it made 93 fantasy points, which is an average of 23 points per game for the four weeks. That's pretty good. And I think with Drew Brees, that could even go up in these first four weeks. And we're going to have to find out um, what happens even after Ingham comes back because he still could be productive, especially if Drew Brees trusts him. Uh, that's totally where I'm coming from as well. Uh, he's got guys that can catch the ball and are reliable in Michael Thomas and Cameron Meredith. Uh, I'm very excited to see where we're going to be at. Um, let me ask you this. Uh what do you think Drew Brees has left in the tank? I think he's got a lot left in the tank. But, I mean, <laughs> I wrote this little letter. I didn't really want to send it to Drew Brees because it sounds a little weird. But I'm going to go ahead and read you guys this letter that I wrote to Drew Brees. My dearest Drew, I know you're getting older and you may want to move on soon. I get it. I understand. Don't ever think you're not good enough. I can't help but think of all the guys you've thrown to. Kenny Stills, Devery and Henderson, Curtis Conway, Robert Meacham, Lance Moore, Marcus Colston, Brandon Cooks, and now Michael Thomas. Every time I see them or hear their name, I think of you. I want my kids to see you play and remember it. You need to stay a little while longer. I know it may look like I don't care about you anymore. I don't have you on any of my fantasy teams. I want to, but it seems like I'm always one pick too late. I want to see you win one more Super Bowl before you give it up. Don't let Tom Brady have a longer career. I still like you more. I know that the Hall of Fame is waiting for you in Ohio. But could you please, please don't leave us just yet. With all my love of football, Tom. Well, that was very, very emotional. Uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I I think he would appreciate that. Maybe you should just wrap that up and send it on down to the Saints organization and <laughs> see if we get a reply. Yeah, if he replies to me, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I got to <laughs> say that I would love to see Drew Brees play a couple more years. But yeah. I also, as, of course, your resident Eagles fan, I don't really care if he sticks around or not. Because, you know, any easier path to the Super Bowl for us, I would appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Jets are probably going to be in the uh, Super Bowl or the playoffs before uh, Drew Brees retires, so I'm not too worried about that. No, I unfortunately agree with you. Sorry, Jets fans. <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here to let you know you can find us and follow us on Twitter at FantasyFuel, Facebook.com slash FantasyFuel, or you can email us at FantasyFuelPodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think about the C.J. Anderson, Christian McCaffrey situation. 
Let me know if you think I'm crazy for thinking Jonathan Williams might step into that role for Mark Ingram over the first four games. And let us know how long you think Drew Brees is going to play. Okay, our next segment we call Going Deep. And this week we are going deep with Julio Jones. Now, you just read a letter to Drew Brees. I actually yeah. prepared a letter to Julio Jones. Uh, oh, did you? We know he's not ready to retire. At least I have never heard anything about retiring. So I'm not <laughs> going to ask him to play a couple more years. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here's my letter. Okay. Dear Julio, I love that your name is Julio Jones, a J and another J from me, JJ. I love the way you play football. I would love if you were on the Philadelphia Eagles. You make plays that no other wide receiver can. You pile up yards better than any wide receiver in the game right now. I love the way you play football. But Julio, I'm sorry. It's almost time to move on when it comes to fantasy football. Now, I'm not saying we're going to move on from you completely. But there are guys out there that I am going to start taking before you. I'm sorry. But that's just the way it is. Please step up your game again this year, Julio. And I'll put you right back at the top of my list. But until then, I'm going to have to move on. And speaking of moving on, I am going to tell you just how much Julio Jones shouldn't be drafted in the top three or four wide receivers anymore. There are okay. a, a ton of reasons to like Julio Jones. Obviously, we remember his 50-point weeks when he just goes off 12 catches, 240 yards, two touchdowns. Everybody loves Julio Jones when that happens. <laughs> yeah, But do we love Julio Jones in 2017 when he had eight games of 13 points or fewer? When you drafted him as a first-round wide receiver, three of those games were under 10 points. In 2016, he had five games of 13 or fewer points, and four were under 10. In 2015, he only had three games under 13 and only one under 10. So it seems he's starting to regress. Now, everybody has bad weeks. So let's talk about the good weeks for Julio Jones. In 2017, he had three games of 20 points or more. In 2016, he had six games of 20 points or more. And in 2015, he had 10 games of 20 points or more. Wow. So again, more regression. And what, yeah. and that leaves us with those middle weeks, you know, our consistent weeks that we here at Fantasy Fuel love to talk about. So here's his consistent weeks. 2017, he had five games in between 13 and 20 points, roughly a third of the season. Not bad. 2016, mm -hmm. he had three in between 
And in 2015, he also had three in between. So he's mm-hmm. gotten a little more consistent, but he's also had more and more games where he has dropped off. Yeah. I'm 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 really having a hard time justifying him as my top three or four wide receivers, and I'm going to compare him to some other guys that are more consistent. Uh, the first guy... Okay, go for it. All right. So the first guy I want to compare him to is Adam Thielen. Uh, he's been creeping up people's draft, board, draft boards after uh, the season he had last year, and he had the same amount of games uh, with 13 points or fewer in eight. He had five games of 20 points or more and three games in between. So right there, he is almost the exact same value as Julio Jones when it comes to consistency. Now, Julio last year played in 75% of his team's snaps, while Adam Thielen played in 92% of his team's snaps. So Adam Thielen was on the field all the time. Now, Julio, for whatever reason, was not out there all the time. I know he has some nagging injuries once in a while. And again, just another point to put on the consistency aspect of this is you need to be on the field in order for my team to score fantasy points. Yeah. Uh, Neither one of those guys scored very many touchdowns. I mean, Julio had three touchdowns, and he only did it in two games. So that was another nod to Julio (laughs) dropping back in my rankings. Yeah. yeah, and don't forget that one uh, touchdown that he dropped in the end zone last year. Oh, yes, and, and he had more targets in the red zone than he has in past years and had fewer touchdowns. I'm not sure what that's all about. Mm. I'd have to ask Steve mm. Sar- Sarkeesian, <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Uh, another guy I want to highlight is Keenan Allen. He is right creeping up there around the same ADP as Julio right now. Again, Mm -hmm. eight games of 13 points or fewer, and he was just as consistent. Four games of 20 points or more, four games in between 13 and 20 points. He also played about 10% more snaps than Julio did. Yeah, He also had six touchdowns in five games, and he had almost 20 more catches than Julio. So, Keenan Allen... I'm starting to think he might be a little better option. Now, my option right now that I am going to start taking in front of Julio every time, even though his ADP isn't as high as Julio's right now, is Michael Thomas. Yeah. Four games. Only four games of 13 points or fewer. Five games of 20 points or more. So he's already got more games last year than Julio did of scoring 20 plus points and Julio had one game that accounted for 20% of his total season points that that's not acceptable oh yeah that's not so yeah you need more than that he went from averaging uh, 15.7 points per game and if you take out that one outlier 50 point game He's down to 13.4 points per game. That's that's at that uh, mark we're talking about. Games of 13 points or fewer. 
Now, mm-hmm. Michael Thomas had seven games in between that 13 and 20 point range. That is the consistency that I'm talking about. He he yeah. only had five touchdowns, granted, but who knows, maybe this year, that whole Mark Ingram thing, he could start seeing uh, some more targets in the red zone. And the last guy I want to talk about who is falling down the ADP list because of his injury last year. Now, I'm going to take him 100% of the time over Julio, and I probably would have anyway, but that's Odell Beckham. Obviously, he he, he only played four games last year, but my goodness, half of those games were over 20 points, only one under 13, three touchdowns in four games, and played the same amount of snaps as Julio did. In 2016, five games under 13, not terrible, six games above 20 points, and five in between, 10 touchdowns in seven games, 101 catches. Odell, I know he's falling, but you cannot sleep on him. And I'm going to be taking Odell, I'm going to be taking Michael Thomas, and I might even be taking Keenan Allen over Julio Jones this year. Can you Yeah, that's a weird can one. Can you tell me why I'm crazy or am I onto something? No, I don't think you're crazy. Um I the Keenan Allen one is it's really weird because I was never really on him in the past, but last year was such a great year that it's kind of hard to miss. Um I think the reason some people are down on uh, Odell Beckham Jr is because Eli Manning, it seems like he's taken a little bit of a dive. But he's got a, a connection, uh, no pun intended, with Odell Beckham Jr. So I don't, I don't see how you can take Odell Beckham Jr. after Julio Jones, especially with the numbers that you've repeated. But I think it's only fair to compare Julio to what I think is the best receiver in, in our time that we are doing this. And that would be Antonio Brown. Um, I mean, Julio last year had 148 targets and 88 receptions, and he only had them three yards or three <laughs> touchdowns. If he had three yards, that's that'd be bad. But he had three touchdowns, 140, uh, 1,444 yards. Antonio Brown last year had a lot more targets. Um, well, I guess it's not that a lot, lot more, but. He produced more receptions with them targets with 101 receptions. Um, he had 1,533 yards. And here's the big difference, okay? This is the this is the big one. Nine touchdowns. That's six more touchdowns than Julio last year. And that is, to me, the biggest reason that you need somebody like Antonio Brown. And you, you can't justify taking Julio in the top if he's only going to give you three touchdowns. Now, He's got to show me something more than three touchdowns to to justify taking him in the top five or so, whatever you, you know you think is good. And his, Antonio Brown's career catching percentage per target is sixty six percent, and Julio's is sixty three percent. But last year was fifty nine percent for Julio Jones. So he's going off of his own pace, and he's not really even that close to um, Antonio Brown's pace at 62% per career. That's his career, 66. 
no, 66 is his career. 62 is last year's. I'm getting all confused. Yeah. But I, I think if you have, if you're going to think about Julio, you have to think about the best. And right now, Antonio Brown is the best. And if you have, if you're trying to justify Julio Jones in the top five, you might want to reconsider. I can't argue with you on that one. And my other point being between Julio Jones and Antonio Brown is their quarterbacks. Now, Matt Ryan just busted yeah. the bank and he deserves his shot and his money in Atlanta. But. He does not feed the ball to his wide receiver like Ben Roethlisberger does. And Ben Roethlisberger has won Super Bowls doing it his way. And he's going to do it his way even more this year. So unless Steve Sarkeesian has something up his sleeve and he wants to change his theories on how to, you know, run an offense, I I just I can't put any trust in Julio Jones or this Atlanta offense unless something changes there in Atlanta. Yeah, they're going to have to do something there. There's no question about that. Uh, I do know one team that you can play Julio Jones against pretty much every time is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they didn't make that cheesy opening on Monday Night Football with him running over all the pirate ships in the Bay for no reason. (laughs) He is a Buccaneer killer so yeah that's our last team that we haven't really talked about this episode in the nfc south and that is the tampa bay buccaneers they are they're an enigma to me i am having a hard time figuring them out i thought they would take a step forward last year but it didn't really happen granted the nfc south got better than everybody thought they would be even last year um Mike Evans is he going to show up this year? Is he going to be fantasy relevant? Is he somebody that I should be thinking about taking over Julio Jones? Well, Mike Evans over Julio, that's that's a good one to to ask yourself, but I can tell you that Evans, even though it seems like he's wishy-washy here and there, he's gone over 1000 yards receiving every single year. And, I mean, last year he only had 71 receptions, which isn't all that good. But he seems, when I say wishy-washy, I I mean year to year. Like 2014, he had 12 touchdowns. 2015, 3. 2016, 12 again. 2017, 5. So it would stand to reason that he could get 12 more touchdowns this year if you're going to look at, look at it like that. But, I mean, 2016 is proof that he can get it done. I, it just it, it has to be Jameis Winston. He had 96 receptions in 2016, and he had 1,321 yards, and he had them 12 touchdowns. So if that doesn't prove to you that he can do it, I don't know what will. And Jameis is going to have to rely on him. He's going to have to hope Mike Evans doesn't have a case of the drops, and I think he's going to have to try and yeah. find a rapport with another wide receiver. So it doesn't seem like he had that with Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, um, Deshaun Jackson is one of them guys I've I've never really liked him. I've I don't think I've ever owned him on any of my fantasy teams because I just got this nasty feeling about Deshaun Jackson. Now say what you want about him, but I, a lot of people are down on Jameis Winston. I I actually think he's improving. 
Um, last year, he had a higher quarterback rating than he did in the previous two years. And his <clears throat> his completion percentage went up, too. It is uh, 63.8% last year, which isn't the worst, but it's not like it's not like superstar awesome. But now he didn't he didn't play all of last year because he was banged up a little bit. And obviously that was uh, Ryan, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick's fault because everywhere he goes, he ends up playing and starting for a couple of games. He is, but, he is the jinx of the actual NFL. Like we are the jinx of people <laughs> we casually talk about from day to day. So, you know, we follow Fitz magic as much as we can. Yeah, but I, I do think Winston knows that he needs to step up big time this year, or the Buccaneers might start considering another option at some point in their future. Uh, I wouldn't mind Winston as a starting quarterback for fantasy, but obviously he'd be a great bye week fill-in. There's no question about that. And he could surprise some of us this year. I have this a little bit of a feeling on him too, but I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> for me, he's got to prove it. Oh, yeah. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now have a super crowded backfield, even after letting Doug Martin go. Um, they have Peyton Barber coming back, who everybody seems to think is going to at least start the year as their lead back. Uh, they brought Charles Sims back, who is more of a pass catcher. Uh, still Jaquiz Rogers, who somehow mm -hmm. defies logic in the fantasy world because when Doug Martin went out a couple of years ago, he was the most consistent back the rest of that season. So he's still got something. And then they draft Ronald Jones, who was yeah. the lead back at USC, and now I'm sure he's going to do everything in his power to show them he should be their number one guy. Yeah, I mean, their backfield is awfully crowded. And it's because they don't have that guy. You know, they got to have that guy that can take the bulk of the carries. Sure, Rodgers and Peyton Barber, they can be good good for your team. But I just don't believe they're that guy. Now, could that guy be Ronald Jones? I've, it could be. Last year for USC, he had over 1,500 yards and he had 19 touchdowns. That's pretty good, I'd say. And I think the Buccaneers should give the guy a shot. And if he becomes that guy, then you don't really need Charles Sims or Peyton Barber to have the production that you are maybe counting on them as far as fantasy goes. So hopefully he gets that opportunity to be that uh, RB1 on the team, which could put him in a good fantasy position. And you might want to own him this year, depending on what else you have in the running back position. Because I wouldn't want to touch any of these guys right now. No, uh, I was a little unhappy when they drafted Ronald Jones. Not that I didn't think it was yeah. a good fit, but I had Peyton Barber stashed on a taxi squad last year mm -hmm. just waiting for his chance, and I thought it was coming. <laughs> they drafted Ronald Jones, and now my hopes have been dashed. So uh, they have a lot of options. It's not a bad thing to have a lot of options at running back. So if one of those guys, that's all it takes is one. If one of those guys can take the pressure off of Jameis Winston and allow him to use play action, Deshaun Jackson should be better. Mike Evans should be better. Yeah. And you still have Cameron Brait and the guy you traded away, O.J. Howard. Yeah, I, I, I like both their tight ends, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I, I, 
it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something we're gonna have to find out about because that backfield is so crowded. If one of them doesn't step up, I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna do? You you have to rotate it between five guys. That's that's crazy. No, it, it, if anything, it'll keep them all fresh, and uh, yeah, we'll 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 find out. I think we're going to end this show with some more ESP. ESP early season. Well, predictions. I've got this this special feeling about Austin Hooper. Uh, he had 49 catches last year. I know that's not good. And he had 65 targets. I know that's not very high. He had 526 yards. That's not that great. But if you need a tight end this year, and he only had three touchdowns, but if you need a tight end this year, I would put your hope in Austin Hooper. I got this feeling about it because he's just, there's a sense. There's a sense. And I know I had it with Christian McCaffrey. I still do. But I got this sense about Austin Hooper because here's part of the reason why. The Falcons red zone scoring percentage last year was 23rd. And they were a playoff team. That was 49.18% in the red zone. That is not very good. Here are some teams that were higher scoring percentage in the red zone. The Jets, the Bengals, the Bears, the Ravens, and the Raiders. The Falcons probably see this. And they say, we've got to fix this. How? Austin Hooper. They will design more plays to get Hooper open in the end zone. And I think his ti- his touchdowns will at least double. I think it could do more than that. So my ESP is Austin Hooper will be a top 10 tight end this year. Well, that is definitely out there because... If they can't get Julio Jones the ball in the end zone, I have no idea how they're going to get Austin Hooper the ball. But if Steve Sarkeesian... (laughs) All right, I'm done with Steve Sarkeesian. I'm not going to say another word about Steve Sarkeesian. I'm going to stop (laughs) saying Steve Sarkeesian. All right, that's it. That's it. (laughs) Though I am going to... Do it one more time. (laughs) No. Steve Sarkeesian. Sorry. Uh, I'm (laughs) going to stay on the Falcons for my ESP this week as well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Tevin Coleman. I don't know what it is about him. I, I I can't even put my finger on it. But when I see his name this year, and maybe it's that whole contract year thing, which doesn't actually ever really mean anything, I, I have a feeling Tevin Coleman is going to show everybody that he's going to get paid as a number one running back somewhere else this year. Now, I've read all the articles out there. Oh, the Falcons want to keep him. Oh, but do they have enough cap space? Oh, but they really want to keep him. Well, of course you want to keep talented players, and Tevin Tevin Coleman is a very talented running back. He can catch the ball. He can run. His carries have been going up. He had about 40 or 50 more carries than the previous year. They're letting him touch the ball more. Devontae Freeman is their guy, but they also just paid him, and they probably don't want to run him into the ground. So I could see the Falcons this year leaning a little more on Tevin Coleman, giving Devontae Freeman a little bit more of a breather, 
uh, maybe trusting in their rookie Edo Smith a little bit more just so they know what they've got when they either say, okay, Tevin Coleman, go find your new team, go be a bell cow somewhere, or if he really shows them, maybe they'll be a two-headed running back. But I think Tevin Coleman is going to have double-digit touchdowns in 2018. Oh, wow. You heard it here first. Okay, well, <laughs> well if that's the case, if your ESP is correct, what do you think happens to Freeman as far as where do you think you should draft him or what? Now, that's the tricky one. I've got this feeling about Tevin Coleman, and I own – Devonte Freeman in multiple leagues so this is a really <laughs> really hard one for me to wrap my brain around because I I love <laughs> Devonte Freeman I told you guys last week I love Devonte Freeman and I still think he's going to be very fantasy relevant but mm-hmm. I think he might take a step back in the touchdown category and if you if you need a running back he's still going to produce but man, if there's somebody else in that same area, I would. And you're, and you're wishy-washy on which one to take. I would probably lean towards whoever it is, other than Devonte Freeman. I hope I'm wrong there too. Maybe the Falcons just go nuts on the ground this year, and both guys are top twelve running backs. I mean, we've seen it before. In, in other teams, yeah. you know, back in the day with D'Angelo yeah. Williams and Jonathan Stewart, it, it, it can happen. And I guess I'm just hoping it can happen because I got a feeling and Tevin Coleman is it. That is the beauty of ESP. It doesn't have to make sense, even though it could make sense. ESP doesn't need all the stats. And we just got these feelings about these guys and speaking of running the ball i just wanted to throw this out there i just read it uh the carolina panthers you know speaking of d'angelo williams and jonathan stewart the carolina panthers Mm -hmm. have the longest active streak in the nfl without a thousand yard rusher as those two guys both hit a thousand yards in 2009 now Cam Newton led the team with 754 rushing yards, and that joined my favorite quarterback of all time until maybe Carson Wentz. Randall Cunningham (laughs) as the lone quarterback to lead their team in rushing multiple seasons. Now, will that happen again this year? Again, you guys let us know. We talked about C.J. Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Maybe neither one of them get close to a thousand yards maybe cam newton's still running around you know fighting for his life out there uh that's kind of his style of play so we're gonna have to find out but i don't know if cam newton is going to change how he plays football uh no there's no chance that he changes the way he plays he is superman and superman does what superman needs to do (laughs) yeah do you have any other final thoughts this week my only final thought is I just cannot wait for the football season to start. It is it is just creeping closer and closer and closer, but then I see it's still months away, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we need to get this on 
the road. Let's go. Yes, we uh, we will be doing some mock drafts. I did my first mock draft last night. I didn't like the way <laughs> it turned out. I uh, requested the fourth pick, and it was an odd. I, I didn't get players that I normally would take. Uh, I took David Johnson with my first pick. Uh, came around yeah. and uh, I think I had to take Keenan Allen. So it, yeah. it, I mean, it's not hit terrible, but man, these mock drafts are going to be all over the place for a while until we get some more <laughs> concrete fantasy football news going. So yeah, there's no. With doubt. that, I am going to say thank you again to everybody, and again, of course, thank you, Tom. We will absolutely. We will see you all very soon. And just to throw this out there, this is our last show before Mother's Day. Any mothers out there, please have a very happy, safe Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Tom and I would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. We greatly appreciate the feedback we receive and love interacting with our listeners. You can contact us with any questions you may have or line up roster advice on Twitter at Fantasy Fuel, Facebook.com slash Fantasy Fuel, and Instagram at Fantasy Fuel Podcast. You can also reach us the old-fashioned way via email at FantasyFuelPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and remember to stay fueled up this fantasy season.